Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13, for week 5 of the Wanderer series. Let's dive in and read what God has to say to us today in Numbers chapter 20, and just pray that we'll be able to uh, receive and understand and apply what he wants for us to do. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin and camped at Kadesh. While, were there, while they were there, Miriam died and was buried. Put that back. There. Okay, there. Now you can go forward. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Why have you brought us the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with our livestock. Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, figs, grapes, pomegranates, water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community as the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out water. You will, provide enough, you will provide enough water for the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. Look at your neighbor and say, you ought to do as you're told. He took the staff from that place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come together at the rock. And he said these words, Listen, you rebels, he shouted. We must bring water from this rock. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and the water gushed out, so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. This place was known as the waters of Meribah which is arguing because there was people of Israel argued with the Lord and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the Wanderers series. God, we thank you for the book of Numbers. And God, we just ask that you help it apply to our lives. Lord, that you would change us from the inside out. Lord, that you would make our holiness your holiness. And, God, that you would just allow us to do what you ask us to do. And, God, we would be faithful, that we would be found faithful, God, in everything that you require of us, God, that we would do it according to your plan and your design. Lord, that we won't get in the way. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says amen. amen. You can be seated. We have taken quite a journey thus far through the book of Numbers and and traveling along this pathway in the book of Numbers to see that Israel had came out of bondage, out of their sin state, and crossed the Red Sea and was traveling in the wilderness. And multiple times they were uh, found doing things that they shouldn't do. And there's just uh, amazing how this story seems to show a repetitiveness of Israel. That there is a, a seems like a cycle that they get stuck in, that they go through, that it remains the same that not much changes. And I believe with all my heart that, that as God is teaching us through this book that sometimes our heart becomes to a point where that we allow things to remain the same and we don't allow God to change us. 
Anybody with me? We as a people get an ideal or a philosophy or a way of thinking or something we think we believe that maybe don't align with Scripture and we, we entertain it to a point where that it hinders us in our walk from God. But we stick with our guns because that's what we want. And we're unwilling to change. And we're unwilling to allow God to speak into our heart and tell us this is the way you need to do things. So today I want us to see as this scripture is teaching us that it's, it's, uh, there should be more compassion in the world today. Amen. 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 There should be more empathy or more sympathy for people that's maybe uh, less blessed than you. Everybody say, I'm blessed. How many believes you're blessed? We are blessed as a people, and God has shown us provision and gave us ability to have things that most other people of the world can't. So today as we're sitting here, we're pretty blessed. We're sitting in an air-conditioned building. We're sitting in padded pews. We're sitting here with lights on. When there's people around the world that you heard the missionary speak a few weeks ago or a few years ago came in to say that, that the little uh, huts that he went into that community over in the, in the uh, Asian world, and as he would get in those communities, that one little light bulb would be all that would hang because of a, a missionary going in and saying, we can make this work for you. And they would put solar panels up, and they would hang light bulbs in these little mud huts. Yeah. Amen? Everybody say, I'm blessed. My cup runs over, what David said. I believe it's about a perspective thing. So as we see this, that, that we need to understand that there needs to be some sympathy or, or empathy for those that are less blessed than us. Whenever we talk about the kids in Lewis County that maybe are not going to have the cool trapper keeper. I don't even, do they still have trapper keepers? I don't know, probably not. I, I had them when I was in school. Did anybody ever have a trapper keeper? Yeah, I couldn't wait to get to school with your with your first uh, of the year prizes so you could look and say, well, what kind of trapper keeper did you get? I got Star Wars, or I got He-Man, or I got, I'm just glad I never got a She-Ra, <laughs> right? Pretty blessed. But there's kids that's not that blessed. And when we say we're going to go down and in the school, uh, as this uh, group has met together, the Educational Foundation, it's been going on for about 10 years. And I'm glad it's going on. I'm glad somebody in Lewis County has a vision enough to say, I can't let things remain the same. Amen? Somebody with vision, somebody with passion that will go around. And, and I don't like asking for money. Does anybody just love begging? Has anybody ever had to beg for money and you just, you just enjoyed it? I don't enjoy that at all. And these people, they go around to the businesses of the community and they go to the churches and say, won't you partner with us to help these kids that are less fortunate than other kids? Amen? And these people that did this, it's, it's amazing to me that, that they've got the ability to do that because somebody had a dream to say, I'm not going to let Lewis County remain the same. I'm going to allow God to speak to my heart and I'm going to change things for some poor people. Amen? So there's people with passions did this, and, and we've partnered with them for years now. We've been on board, what, five years, I think, uh, this year. is our fifth year involved in that, that we've always been able to give. And I remember one year we was, the church was so blessed financially that year that we took a $1,000 check. $1,000, that's a lot of money. And we took it down and handed it to them, and they looked at us and they said, well, how many people go to your church? 
about 20 or 30, something, I don't know, at that time. And we took a $1,000 check. They was blown away. Because there's businesses and rich people and lawyers and doctors in town that would give them $20. And here a group of poor, working class people at Bethesda walked in with a check of 1000 You know what that's a sign of? Compassion and mercy and grace. And that's who God is. It's not about money. It's about wanting other people to have a way that they may not get other than me giving. Amen? So as these things change, change comes when God gets in your heart and causes you to go and initiate change. But I think it usually happens for uh, empathy for the world, for the less fortunate, for those that are down and out. I think Jesus told the Good Samaritan story in the Bible for a reason. Amen? He said he was walking along that road and he told the story. And you know, everybody that's read the Bible knows the story that as they was going along, a priest walks by and, and, and community leaders walk by and these other people walk by and they see the man in the ditch and they, they, they stay to the other side afraid that he's going to infect them with his sickness. I want it at a distance. I don't, I don't want to get up close. I don't want to get dirty. I don't, I don't want to get too close to poor people because then I may be associated with them. Maybe, maybe it will get on me. And Samaritans were a people that did not associate themselves with Jews. Jews hated Samaritans and the Samaritans hated Jews. If you think racial division is something new, I got news for you. It's been around since the world began. You can go plumb back to the Tower of Bible and see that there is racial inequalities, racial injustice. The racial issue has been going on for thousands of years as long as the world has begun. It's nothing new. They wouldn't deal with each other. And there needs to be somebody that stands up and says that there should not be racial inequality. Two amens in a church of 35 people this morning. According to Scripture, we're all the same in God's eyes. A human being. He loves us all the same. So as we're seeing this, that it needs to happen from a heart of compassion. How much compassion do you show on a weekly basis? How much empathy do you have? How much sympathy do you have for those less fortunate than you? When you drive down the road and you, you drive by a little little shack on the side of the bank and, and you see those kids out there playing in the yard and, and they're just having a good time and they don't even know they're poor, do you have any sympathy or empathy for them? It's easy for us to live in our comfort and not recognize the depravity of the world. Our missionaries see this on a, on a uh, uh, continual basis. And sometimes we think, well, we'll just give a little bit in missions fund and maybe they can go over there and make a difference around the world somewhere when we're to be making a difference right here at home. I, I'm telling you, every missionary that's ever walked in these doors has said, you got your own mission field right here. Sometimes we get blinded and can't see but I want God to open my eyes. How about you? 
And the reason I'm saying this empathy, sympathy, and compassion thing is the first line, the first verse. Let's read it again. In the first month of the year, the whole community of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin, and they camped. I like camping, and I'm glad they was all together, ain't you? Ain't you glad that Israel didn't divide off and go by their own 12 tribes and just go in their own little group and say, well, Benjamin, you're over there, and, and we ain't going to deal with you no more? In the wilderness, they was all together. When they got in Israel, they began dividing themselves. Division brings no unity. So here we go. And they camped at Kadesh. While they were there, Miriam died and was buried. This was their leader, Moses. It was his sister. The high priest that God anointed was Aaron. Aaron and Moses were trying to lead the children of Israel out in this wilderness, out in this God-forsaken place. But it's where they were because of their own actions. Amen? And as they were walking around and marching in this wilderness, here you go, towards the, we're coming in and we're, we're at week five, but we're traveling through this journey pretty quick, and here we are in, in Numbers chapter 20, and Miriam dies. The leader's sister. What should happen when somebody's hurting? What should happen in the church when somebody's hurting? We should all hurt together. Amen? If somebody is struggling, if somebody is, is wounded, if somebody can't sit through the service without tears flowing down their face because of the pain they've endured for the week and some things they've had issues, maybe on their job, Maybe, maybe it's somebody in their family that's giving them grief. Maybe it's, it's a whole lot of hell going on in their life. And when that begins to happen, what should the church be? It should be a church that says, when you're crying, I want to feel the pain you're feeling so that we can live through it together. So we can go through this thing together and we can get where God's destined us to be. It's called sympathy. It's called empathy, to feel that pain of another person. Look at this next verse. Miriam died and was buried. Everybody say, ah. That's about what Israel did. Just, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Next verse. There was no water for the people to drink in that place. Everybody say, ah. Uh, that's, that's just awful, ain't it? No water. Leader's sister died, but I ain't got no water. Ah. Uh, poor me. Right? So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. In the middle of pain, people was worried about themselves. In the midst of struggle, in the midst of strife, it's the midst of heartache in the body. It shouldn't be a time where we're worried about are we going to drink now. Amen? 
This is called comfort because I need water. I, I think I need it to survive, but what if somebody else is hurting and, and you've got a whole case full of water out in your little fridge out in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, what's the garage at our house? She's got one of those little mini fridges. Leslie does, and that's where we keep the water. So if you ever want to water at our house, you've got you to go through that little door and go out there in the garage. There's a little mini fridge out there full of, of, of bottled water, and, and we have water, and it's, it's something that I like. So usually at nighttime, I don't drink much water through the day. I like pop. Anybody like pop? I like pop. I drink pop all day long. But when I get home at night and I'm sitting there on the couch and I'm, I'm beginning to wind down, I don't want to pop. I want water. So just about every night, Leslie goes out and she goes and she drinks 15 waters a day. She got one sitting right here beside her right now, just in case, I guess. This is, you know, I already took some. So as I'm, I'm sitting there on the couch, she don't say at, at night, do you want to pop? She said, hey, you want water? I'm getting me one. Yeah, give me water. She comes in there, and I, I'll drink a water at night. Debo's wanting her water. She's sitting on the other side of her. <laughs> the children of Israel should have had a time of mourning. Amen? For one, because Miriam was a singer. She led the congregation of Israel. They, she would lead them in worship. And sometimes you can read through the book of Numbers and, and you'll see that Miriam sang songs to the Lord and, and would break out and, and dance. And she would, she would praise God. But there was no, after she was gone, it's like, yeah, I didn't need them anymore. Amen? Oh, Moses, your heart's aching a little bit, but, but what about my water? Moses, it seems like you're, you're downcast a little bit, but I, I would worry about you, but I'm not going to because I'm not really worried about the look on your face. I'm worried about my, worried about my water. Moses, Moses, we need some water. I can't believe, Moses, even though you're hurting and all this pain is in your heart and, and you seem like it's, all hell is breaking loose and, and, and you've lost somebody very important to you and it, it don't make any sense, but Moses, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to worry about, I need some water. How many of us worry about our own stuff more than we do the pain of others? The Bible talks about selfish ambition. That's what it says. Is there, there's a selfishness to humanity. It's, it's, the, it's the flesh that wars against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh it talks about in Romans. And, and we as a Christian people, we have to have this inner battle going on where my flesh don't overcome my spirit. Amen. My spirit man has sympathy for those hurting. My spirit man will have empathy, will try to feel the pain and understand where they're coming from whenever we see somebody else hurting. We won't jump to conclusions or, or come to these things that we will see, God, I want to be like you. And that's what a spirit man does. When was the last time on your innermost being that you felt that there was a war going on? When was the last time, and I, I hear Dusty say it often, that, that, that he talks about that he, he never cried at all. He never had any, a, a heart that was tender enough to cry when he, when he saw other things happen. Maybe other than what you say, your, your dad's funeral you cried. And, and, and it's he, just somebody that don't cry often. But now he tells the stories about whenever he's driving down the road and sees something going on and maybe sees somebody hurting or he, or he thinks about somebody in the youth group that's going through some pain right there at the moment. He'll sit in his truck and cry. 
When's the last time you shed a tear for anybody? We wonder why we're wandering in the wilderness. We wonder why all this pain is going on in our life and it seems like we're doing without so much. But we're sitting here, one of the most blessed people on the planet. Amen. Having a pity party for ourselves. You can invite all the people you want to your pity party. They're not coming. Amen. They're not coming. I love Brother Jameson's message one time. He had the board leaders down at Orangeburg Church, and he brought them up and was talking about pity parties, and he had them sit down and play patty, patty cake. Two adult men sitting in the floor playing patty cake. That's usually the most amount of people you can get to come to your party is one other one. And I've heard people say this often in leadership training and different things. They'll say that misery loves company. And if we're a miserable people, and if all we can think about is how much water we don't have in the moment, whenever we've been drinking pretty good water, we've been eating quail that God supplied for us, we've been eating manna that God gave us in this story that we're on here, we've seen the provision of God, we've seen Him come through and bring us through the Red Sea, we've seen miracle after miracle, but here I am worried about water. Has not God provided for you in times past? When are you going to just get on the, on, the, on the program and say, look, I know I may be without water in this moment. I know it may seem like I'm going through some stuff right here, and it seems like it's, it's insignificant to everybody else, and I don't like not having water. But guess what? I know God will give me water. This is called faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When are you seeking God? When are you saying, God, I know I don't have water now, but I know you'll supply me water. And don't let me worry about water right now, God, because my leader is suffering pain because he lost his sister. the saddest part of this whole story in the wilderness Moses is doing the best absolutely the best he can do and Ernie we come down to the tipping point whenever your leader loses his cool he's tried for a long time He's tried to lead the people for a long, long time. Just calls them say, don't worry about your water. Don't worry about your quail. God will give them to you. Don't worry about your manna. God's going to supply it. Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. For if God provides for the bird of the air, he'll provide for you how much more he loves you. Moses goes in him and Aaron you see the sad part is Moses and Aaron's the ones that's crying out they go down to the temple and they lay down on their face and cry out to God for God to have mercy on the children of Israel because they're worried about water and God speaks God speaks he tells Moses he says get up take the staff 
You don't always take the staff. But this time, Moses, take the staff. Take the staff. Where's my stick? I need a stick. Somebody's going to get beat. If I fall, you'll hear me. Was you worried when you heard the clanging? God says, Moses, Aaron, I love the children of Israel. And I don't want them to be without water. That's not my will. Look at your neighbor and say, God don't want you without. I believe in a God that blesses his people. I believe in a God that provides for his people. Amen. I believe that the people, the children of God, should be the most envied in the world. The people look and say, wow, what kind of God do you serve that he cares about you that much? Moses, Aaron, I'm telling you, I'm going to provide water. Amen. If my people don't have water, they're going to get some water. That's what they want. They're going to get water. Get up, go out there, and tell them that God's getting ready to provide water. And he told Aaron this. He said, Aaron, Moses, Moses, when you get out there to that point, you and Aaron be standing up there in front, there's a rock right over there, over yonder, if you want to say it in Lewis County terms, Colonel Brown terms, over yonder. And I want you to speak to that rock. And when you speak to that rock, water is going to gush out. What's a good lesson to learn from this? power in your words amen there's power in your words if you continually tell your kids they're dumb and stupid they ain't never going to make nothing never going to turn out to be anything what's wrong with you don't be surprised when they turn out dumb amen there's power in your words. And I believe as fathers, as mothers, as grandparents, as guardians, that we should speak blessings over the people God has placed in our trust. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Same thing for pastor. Sometimes people make me mad. I don't know if you know that. But when they make me mad, it ain't good for me to say, man, they're no good, useless. Why does Bethesda need them? They're doing nothing, whatever. I can't say that. You know what I'm supposed to say? God bless your people. Because sometimes they may be enduring pain that I don't know about. If I curse them in the middle of their walk, 
Woe be it to me. What will turn back around on me? When's the last time you blessed somebody with your words? When's the last time your boss, maybe you don't like very much, but you just begin to thank God that you've got a job? Say, God, I may, <laughs> I don't understand. God, I don't have to. But God, I just ask you to bless my boss. Amen? What are you going to do with these words? James says, how can fresh water and bitter water come from the same fountain? Amen? Shouldn't curse one moment and try to bless the next. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you're, you think right now, well, I ain't been saying too many good things. Then I'll tell you what you better check. Don't try to worry about your mouth. Worry about your heart. Amen? You can't fix your mouth. Anybody ever tried? I'll raise my hand. Anybody ever tried to fix your mouth? Because you can see and you just sense and you can tell whenever you're saying something bad and you, you feel like, man, I, I, I shouldn't be saying that. I, or it feels like, man, there's just something wrong with me talking like that or putting people down or talking about somebody behind their back or gossiping about this or saying this is about that one. Or, and it feels like there's just something wrong with that. And I, I feel like it, it just makes me unclean. Holiness of the Lord. If we want to be like God, we won't do that. But if we try just to tame this, <laughs> James says, who is able to tame the most unruly member of the body? I can tell you right now, you will not tame your tongue. But if you get a heart transplant, your tongue will change. This is truth. I don't know. I'm teaching a little more than I'm preaching, but I'm telling you right now, if we will go down to the inside and say, God, there's something wrong at the center of my being. I, I am unclean before you. I'm not as holy as I should be. I don't say what I ought to say. And God, I'm not going to worry about it. It's my tongue's fault. It's my heart's fault. The heart is more wicked than any other thing, according to Scripture. It's more divisive. It's, it's, not, it's not a good thing. Moses is dealing with this. Moses has been able to tame his tongue at every point of this occasion through the book of Numbers. As a leader, you've got to understand. Amen. As a leader, you've got to understand. You've got to watch your mouth. I've learned this lesson the hard way. Because sometimes I'll say something that I think somebody needs to hear when it wasn't time to say it. Amen? It's not what I think, it's what does God think. Moses, get up. You and Aaron... You're down here praying in the door when the people want water, and I'm going to give them some water. Here's something for a bunch of holiness Christians to think about. When have you got out of the face of, off your face at an altar and went out and began to do something rather than just pray about it all the time? I'm not saying not pray. You better pray. Amen? But it's not enough to lay there in the door of the tabernacle snotting and crying all the time. It's time to get up and go do something. 
God is a doing God. He's not a talking God. Amen? He wants, to, he wants to solve the world's problems. He wants to create a heart of compassion in his people. He wants to do things. He wants to see things begin to change. And people of the Educational Foundation of Lewis County, they saw change in our county. There's kids 10 years old today that have went four or five years of school, and they went to school with trapper keepers. They went to school with notebooks. They went to school with pencils from Bethesda. This year, we're, we're giving away the erasers. That's what they told us. They said, can you go buy some erasers so that, so that they can have erasers? We called two or three people was giving pencils. So we bought erasers for them this year as a church, and we, we spent this money to go down and bless these kids. And they've went four or five, there's kids that's in the fifth grade, going in the fifth grade this year, that has received this stuff every year, and they've walked in with a changed perspective from the people 15 years ago of kids that walked in with nothing on day one when they looked around and everybody else has got a whole big bag full of stuff, and you're sitting there with nothing, and the shame and the guilt and all that condemnation of the devil that tells you you ain't good enough, you ain't as good as your neighbor, you're not as good as that one over there because your daddy's not the lawyer. It's different now in Lewis County because some Somebody did something. God is a doing God. He changes things. He changes people. Moses, Aaron, get up. Take the rod. And go out there and stand by that rock. And I want you to tell the children of Israel, I, God, am getting ready to supply them with some water. From a rock. You ever tried to drink a rock? In a dry creek bed? You ever been out in the middle of the desert and looked at a rock and think, man, I can't wait to get over and get a drink of that? <laughs> it don't even make any sense. Sometimes God don't make sense. Amen? Has he ever done you, told you to do something? You're just like, I don't know, God. People are going to think I'm crazy. I, I'll trust you to this point where they don't ruin my reputation, God, and I'll, I'll do it if it seems right amongst the people. But to tell me to go over and tell them that they're going to drink from a rock in the middle of the desert? That don't sound very good, God. I, I don't know about that. That's what we would do today. Moses and Aaron gets up from praying and crying out at the altar because they got a heart of compassion for the people, and they walk out there. But as Moses began to tread along that little path, somewhere between, somewhere between the altar and the rock, his heart changed. And I would say more than likely than not that it was the enemy speaking in his ear and saying, how long are you going to trouble yourself with these people that won't do nothing? All they ever do is complain and your sister just died and where are they for you right now? And all these words coming in your ear telling you, just how mad are you going to get, Moses? Are you ever going to get mad? I know you go in there and pray at an altar, but here you are. You're the one walking out here to the rock and you're the one God's telling to go talk to that rock. And where's everybody else? Or is anybody else behind you, Moses? Somewhere between the altar and the rock. Is anybody following me? Carrying a staff. When he gets out there through the rock, he stands there and let's pretend this is our rock right here. Moses stands up in front of the people, says, God is a blessed God. He's brought us out of the land of Egypt and he's brought us out in the middle of this wilderness and you guys have complained too long and I'm over it 
And I'm telling you right now, God's going to supply you water, but I'm going to have to do this to get it. And the problem is, he don't do what God tells him to do. God told him to speak to the rock. Moses says, I'll hit this rock with this staff, and then water will come. Because God's a merciful God, he let water come out of it. But Moses takes the staff in anger, and he strikes twice. And the anger of the Lord goes against Moses. saddens my heart to think that Moses lost the battle the battle with him he's been going a long time here more than likely 20 years that he's traveled with these people in the wilderness trying to lead them right and here he falls off the horse because of something speaking in his ear I pray that God speaks in your ear, not the enemy. I pray there's a heart of compassion that will rise up in the church and say, when other people's hurting, I want to hurt. I don't want to be in disobedience to God. Amen? I want to feel the pain when others are hurting. There's people in this room today They've probably had a bad week. Possibly they've got news that they didn't want to hear. Maybe at this moment in their life they're they're dealing with some things going on in their family that they just they didn't want to endure. That they thought their family would be with them forever. And they're, now they're feeling the absence of it. People walk away. Can you sympathize with them? Do you have any compassion today with them? I'm telling you, God wants you to drink water. I never want to get to the point where that I think that it's me hitting that rock is how God's going to supply you. As the pastor of this church, I don't want it to ever be me. God alone is your refuge. God alone is your fortress. He supplied you this far. What makes you think you won't now? Won't you stand? Let's let you come play. This is an example of how the mightiest fall. Just because you've been a Christian for years doesn't mean you're exempt from sin. Jesus is better than Moses. Choosing not to strike a rock out of disobedience, but allowing himself to be struck for our sins.
grateful for the education foundation of Lewis County. Just bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to be, this to be a moment where that you just begin to say, God, show me what you're wanting me to know from this message. Holy Spirit, make this real to me. Is there anybody here that will pray that and say, Holy Spirit, make this real to me? I want you to say it with your mouth right now. If there's power in your words, I want you to pray. Holy Spirit, speak to me. God, we invite you in this place. Lord, during this moment of surrender, I know there's people here, Lord, that are dealing with issues and struggles of this life. And God, as a body, help us to see, Lord, that we need each other. Lord, that we don't need to be selfish in our concerns and worried about our, our comfort. Just as the children of Israel in this story was worried about water in the moment when Moses was hurting. Lord, they couldn't see his, his pain because they were too concerned about their self. God, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, that we would lose our selfishness. Lord, that we would, tr we would truly lose our trust in ourselves. And God, sometimes there are some great things out there in the middle of that wilderness. Even though it seems like a place we don't want to be. God, you take us through seasons of our life. And we get in these paths. And we get in these ruts. And God, it seems like they're so dry. And it's a drought. And there's a, a seasonal drought. Even sometimes in our spiritual life, God, it seems like we're, we're walking and we can't hear you. And we don't know where you're at. But God, we know you're still there. Because you can bring water from a rock. You are our provider. Is there anybody in this room that needs God to provide something right now? You're going through a dry place and you've been looking for all these things and, and you don't really know what's going on and you're, you're at a point right now where you need to ask God, God, I need you to provide some things. Is there anybody here who lift your hand and say, God, I need you to provide for me? Anybody? Anybody here? God, I need you to provide in the middle of this desert. Father, I thank you for the courage of those that lifted their hand. And God, as they're going through a dry season of life, Lord, I ask that you provide for them the things they need. That the things they need, they would receive. Lord, nothing out of what we can do or what we can say, but Lord, out of trusting you, that you're the provider. Jesus, help us to overcome all of our weaknesses, all of our shortcomings, all of our failures, mostly all of our sins. In Jesus' name I pray.
verses. Amen.